My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Today on Irishman in America, Marion McKeown takes us to Virginia to understand what the Democrats' devastating election loss really means for the midterm elections. We also take some time to look at the Supreme Court hearings this week on two of the most divisive issues in America, the right to bear arms and, of course, abortion rights. It seems hard to believe, but if the Supreme Court decides to strike down a New York law, millions of New Yorkers will be free to carry concealed weapons on their person in the streets and on the subways. And finally, Marion will take us to the courthouse where the Kyle Rittenhouse trial gets underway. Does that name even ring a bell anymore with you? Your newsfeed is probably refreshed about 10,000 times since the then 17-year-old shot two people dead and injured another during the riots that followed the police shooting of Jacob Blake. Well, we get Marion's take on why this case is such a lightning rod for Americans and more. Marion, it's brilliant to have you here. Before we get going, I should say to people to hear the full conversation, as always, just sign up on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad for a five or a month. Marion, what a week you've had. Yeah, you know, it's 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 one of those weeks where just the news is coming thick and fast, Charlotte, but but Everything seems to be almost of a piece. I can, every one of the stories that you've just outlined, there is an underlying connection, which there is in so many stories. And it's it's fear and the, the knee-jerk reaction to fear. So let's get into Virginia, where the result there now, you know, two things. First things, this result, no matter how they're trying to spin it at the moment, and by God, they're spinning it ferociously. It's on the super spin, the fastest spin possible on the spin machine. Uh, the Democrats, this was a humiliating loss for the Democrats. Now, they're saying, oh, you know, they're wheeling out all these statistics where they're going, well, it's only happened once in 700 years that a governor was elected twice with a gap in between, blah, blah, blah. The fact is that these races are always referendums on what's going on with the party in power. And particularly in the case of Virginia, now there was also a race in Virginia or in New Jersey, I beg your pardon. This is an off year. For some weird reason, Virginia has its governor race, not in the midterms, which is next year when everything goes to the polls pretty much, but on, on this, as I say, this off year, which is, you know, an odd year, 2021, and New Jersey does the same. Now, in the blue corner, you had Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe is like an old school he, Democratic rock star. He's like the, let's think, 
who would be a, a, a hot singer in the 90s? Who <laughs> Rick Astley. Okay. Okay. He, he's, he's the Rick Astley of the Democratic Party. But no, that, that's not fair because he was a grandee. He was a big friend of the Clintons. He was a Clinton advisor, managed Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2008, was the head of the Democratic National Party and had a very high national profile. He was on a lot of TV shows. He's Mr. Democrat, but he's kind of Mr. Clinton era Democrat. He was already the governor of um, Virginia for one term, because in Virginia, you can only have a governor for one term. They can't serve two consecutive terms. So basically, after one term, if they want another shot at it, they have to go away for four years and then come back subsequently. And this is what McAuliffe did, because he was governor between 2013 and 2017. He then had to get out out of the race and another Democrat took his place, Ralph Northam, who now has to get out of the race. So McAuliffe stepped back in. Uh, so he was, as I said, well known, a proven quantity. He's a really smart guy. I spoke to one of the people who loathed in Virginia and he said, you know, I can say a lot of things about Terry McAuliffe. I can call him a lot of names, but stupid isn't one of them. Like he's seen as, you know, a really smart political veteran. Anyway, in the red corner, you have a guy called Glenn Youngkin, who nobody had ever heard of, including me, until a month before the race. He was a venture capitalist, worked for, you know, like he's worth about $350 million. Uh, he worked for one of those, like very much in the Mitt Romney sort of school of conservatism, as sort of a bland, rich white middle-aged guy who is kind of like everybody's idea of the embarrassing dad. He, he To me, he's a bit like, drawing heavily on cultural references today. He's a bit like, although I'm not sure Rick Astley is in fact a cultural reference, but anyway, <laughs> I'm digressing. Uh, he's Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, minus okay. the moustache. Like he's he's all golly gee. And, and he set up a religious school, a sort of a Christian fundamentalist school in his basement. And it's now a church in Virginia. So as I said, very rich venture capitalist who's also running a, a very conservative church on the side and he comes into the fray and he's sort of Mr. Nice Guy. Like, you know, he's 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 the embarrassing dad who turns up at all the kids matches and cheers them on. And, you know, that kind of and he is not he's he distanced himself from Trump, having sucked up to Trump enormously to, to win the primary. He then decided, no, no, let, let's keep Trump out of Virginia because Virginia is one of those states that in the last 10, 20 years has gone very, very blue in the northeastern tip. And the reason for that is it's now become the biggest suburb of Washington, D.C. So a lot of people who work in Washington, D.C., go over the river every day, you know, drive over and, and, and then they drive home leaving to Virginia. So you've got this huge sort of liberal tip um, in the northeast corner. But then as you go further south, it is blood red. Well, it's this, this is really interesting to me when I was looking through this, that this thing of keeping Trump at arm's distance and kind of making it a local election that obviously... McAuliffe played into his hands here because he calls in the nationals. He calls in Biden and kind of says, let's bring Washington down here. And Glenn Youngkin, I mean, what a name. He 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 flanders it up and says, uh, no, guys, this is about our state and kind of hemming ourselves off from the rest of the country. Was that the was that the winning of this thing or was there more to it? 
No, it's part of it, but there was a lot more to it because initially to win the primary, to get to, to the race, he he sucked up to Trump absolutely and sought his endorsement and he got it, et cetera, et cetera. And, the, you know, Virginia has a really deep red MAGA base, but he didn't want Trump coming into Virginia because he thought he needed to win back. You know, in 2020, a lot of Republicans voted for Biden because they just couldn't stomach Donald Trump. Not a lot. OK, not a lot, but enough to make the difference, enough to give Joe Biden a seven million vote win, a, you know, a, a surplus. Hmm. Uh, and, and they were just Republicans who they either stayed at home or they just couldn't stomach Trump. And there aren't that many of them left. But there are a few Romney Republicans. And there are also independents who kind of thought, well, let's give Biden a go. There, you know, the Republicans have made a ball to this. And uh, but then. You know, it's only 10 months into Biden's presidency, admittedly, but Congress is stalled. Nothing's happening. The Democrats are taking lumps out of each other. And so Young can realize, look, I can peel some of these northern tip independents and moderate Republicans off, but not if I bring Trump in. So he basically, the Republicans decided we're keeping Trump out, as you say, of this, but they also needed something else. And so what Glenn Youngkin invented, and I am going to say fabricated here, or, and exploited is there's this rage in America at the moment. America's just angry about everything. I mean, they really need to <laughs> relax. But there's a post-COVID rage amongst parents, okay? Because they're angry about the mask mandates. They're angry that they feel their children are going to be forced to be vaccinated. And this is really a white parent thing. It's a white parent thing in, you know, of working and middle class white parents. And they're particularly furious that they're hearing that around America, there's going to be this thing that none of them knows what it means, but they know they don't like it, called critical race theory, which is being taught in schools. Now, this is it's such a, a, a fabrication. So basically some school curriculums, and, and this is really what it is, uh, want to include in their sort of civics and social science classes and history classes, uh, a more detailed accounting of things like slavery, how black people came to be in America and how black people came to be disadvantaged. They also want to do things like study Look at the laws in America and look at how historically laws have discriminated against black people. So you would think that sounds pretty reasonable. You know, the Dred Scott case, for example, where, you, you know, like big cases that were devastating for black people before you got Brown and Board of Education and, and the cases that did sort of try to dismantle racial segregation. So this is living history and it's actual history, but it's all factual stuff. But white parents in Virginia and all over America, indeed, do not want their precious little darlings hearing about the mean things that their great grandfathers might have done to black people because it will only upset them. So they want them to hear all about how America is just this wonderful country that God handed it over to the white people. And, and you know, so it's, it's perpetrating that sort of American exceptionalism that, you know, nonsense. So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people 
who would probably consider themselves liberal, have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.